If you have your Bible, turn with me to the Gospel of John, fourth book in the New Testament, Gospel of John, and chapter 1. So far in this series, in John's Gospel, we've been seeing the names by which the Apostle John identifies Jesus. There are seven of these names that we find here. The first is the Word. The Word. Jesus is the Word made flesh. That means that Jesus is God's representation of himself to mankind. We've also been shown that Jesus is the light. Jesus is the light. He is the light of life. And that means that through faith in Jesus, there is forgiveness of sins and new life in Christ, eternal life for all who believe in the light, Jesus. The third name by which John reveals to us who Jesus is, we saw this last week, is Son of God. Son of God. Jesus is the Son of God of God. And that means that Jesus is God the Son. God the Son. We saw that last week and the implications of this we saw last week which we saw in verses 14 through 18 are this that Jesus is God. There's no question about it. You can see it clearly in verse 18 where John says the only God who is at the Father's side, he has made him known. He is the Lord Jesus Christ, the only God who is at the Father's side, has made God the Father known. Jesus is the Son of God, God the Son. He is God, and he makes God known. And for that, we ought to rejoice and be thankful that God is gracious to send his Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. Today we arrive at verses 19 through 28. And I want you to follow along with me as I read from the English Standard Version, beginning at verse 19, John chapter 1, verse 19. And this is the testimony of John. When the Jews sent priests and Levites from Jerusalem to ask him, Who are you? He confessed and did not deny, but confessed, I am not the Christ. And they asked him, What then? Are you Elijah? He said, I am not. Are you the prophet? And he answered, No. So they said to him, Who are you? We need to give an answer to those who sent us. What do you say about yourself? He said, I am the voice of one crying out in the wilderness Make straight the way of the Lord, as the prophet Isaiah said. And verse 24 says, Now they had been sent from the Pharisees. They asked him, Then why are you baptizing if you are neither the Christ, nor Elijah, nor the prophet? John answered them, I baptize with water, but among you stands one you do not know, Even he who comes after me, the strap of whose sandal I am not worthy to untie. 
These things took place in Bethany across the Jordan where John was baptizing. So in the first 18 verses of the Apostle John's Gospel, he's making it very clear for us that Jesus is God. Verses 1 through 5 are some of the most powerfully clear words we have about the deity of Jesus. Jesus is God in human flesh. Now, as we arrive at verse 19, we come to a narrative portion of John's gospel in which we see John the Baptist. Remember, earlier in verses 6 through 8, we were introduced to John the Baptist. So now, in verse 19, John the Apostle turns to the witness of John the Baptist, and and John the Baptist's witness is the same as the Apostle. Jesus is God. You can trust in Him. You can believe in Him. You must believe in Him because He is God. Now it's in the midst of this narrative of the witness of John the Baptist we are shown the the next name for Jesus here in chapter 1. I wonder if you noticed it in the text as I read it. It appeared twice. seen once in verse 20. And once in verse 25, Jesus is the Christ, the Christ. Now, before we dig into that a little bit, first let's look at who John the Baptist is as we consider his witness about the Christ. John the Baptist was born six months before Jesus. He is also Jesus' cousin. And most Bible scholars agree that he began his ministry at about 29 or 30 years of age. So he was born a bit before Jesus, six months, and he began his ministry a bit before Jesus because as we learn from Luke 3, in chapter, uh, chapter 3 in Luke's Gospel in verse 23, Jesus began his ministry, his public ministry, at about 30 years of age. John the Baptist was also the son of a priest, And he was likely well-known because Matthew 3 tells us that many people from Jerusalem and Judea and from all around those areas were going out to see John and they were going out to hear him preach. Now, why were people flocking to hear John the Baptist preach? The likely reason for this is that there hadn't been a prophet in Israel for over 400 years. And what they heard John saying sounded them like something that was very prophetic. So along comes this strong and spirited, dynamic man who'd gone out and lived among the poorest of people and was dressing like them and was eating like them. And his preaching was strong. It was powerful. And it was getting the attention of the people. But there were also, there's also something else about John, John the Baptist. John the Baptist had been filled with the Holy Spirit. We're told in Luke chapter 1 and verse 15, For he will, be, he will be great before the Lord, and he must not drink wine or strong drink, and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit even from his mother's womb. That's unusual, isn't it? John the Baptist, filled with the Holy Spirit. That would make his preaching powerful. 
So here's this man filled with the Spirit of God. He's preaching and he's a unique individual that God has chosen and is using and has greatly blessed his ministry. And many people are taking notice and many people are flocking to hear him preach. And so when we get to verse 19 in John chapter 1, it all starts to make sense why the priests and the Levites want to know who he is. Look at verse 19 again. And this is the testimony of John. When the Jews sent priests and Levites from Jerusalem to ask him, who are you? I want you to consider with me the witness, the testimony of John the Baptist. Verse 19 says, and this is the testimony of John. John is going to bear witness about who Jesus is. The priests and the Levites are thinking this fellow must be the Christ. He's gaining so much traction. He's getting so much attention. People are flocking to him to hear him preach. He sounds prophetic. He must be the Christ. They were reasoning that he's certainly somebody. (laughs) He's growing in popularity. His preaching had taken on the Jewish religious establishment. This guy was starting to make them uncomfortable. Something also had to be done about this man who was making them uncomfortable. But he's not quite what they were expecting. So the Jews sent priests and Levites to ask John the Baptist who he is. These priests and Levites are the Jewish religious leaders, and specifically when we see the term here, the Jews, it's referring to those who were hostile toward Jesus and his followers. Look at John's answer in verse 20. And I would suggest that this is interesting because he could have said many things about himself. Things that were true about himself, some of which I noted a moment ago. But notice that he doesn't mention those things. Verse 20 is interesting. And he's very emphatic here. He confessed and did not deny, but confessed. What did he confess? I am not the Christ. John knew what they were thinking. And verse 19 started out, this is the testimony of John. What's his testimony? This is a strong statement coming from John. That's why there's this repetition here. He confessed and did not deny, but confessed. This is a strong statement, emphatic statement. John wants it to be very clear who he is. In fact, he wants it to be very clear who he's not. It's, and this is what he wants to be clear. It's not about John. John wants to be clear who he is is about Jesus. John says, I'll tell you who I'm not. It's not about me. He could have told them many things about himself, which he did not say. He doesn't say this, does he? He says, I am, what does he say? I am not the Christ. John understood who he was. He was a willing servant of the Lord Jesus Christ. He was a joyful witness pointing to Jesus. 
So he's emphatic, I am not the Christ, he said. So what does John the Baptist mean that he is not the Christ? This name that we have, which John the Apostle gives us for Jesus, what does John the Baptist mean when he says he is not the Christ? They wanted to know if he was the coming Messiah. Christ means anointed one. It means the set-apart one, the Messiah. And John says, as strong as he can say it, I'm not him. I'm not him. So next they ask him, verse 21, look at verse 21 again, what then, are you Elijah? He said, I am not. Are you the prophet? And he answered, no. (laughs) John's answers get, it's interesting, his his answers get shorter. (laughs) His answers get shorter the more they asked him, I am not, no. Why? Why is he so closed-lipped? Why is he so tight-lipped about this? John knows this really is not about him. He has been sent as a messenger for the sake of someone else. And that someone else is Jesus. It's not about John. John is a witness. This is about pointing to Jesus. Note this. And take note, church. And I hope you're already thinking about this. If you are a believer in Jesus, the most important part of your witness is not you. It's Jesus. People don't need you to tell them about you. They need you to tell them about Jesus. It troubles me when I see in the Christian culture some famous name, somebody who has a very high profile Uh, Maybe they're from movies or television or music or sports and they proclaim that they know Jesus or maybe they've come to know Jesus and all of a sudden churches are scrambling to put these people up in front of the church so that the church can hear their testimony and so that the world can hear their testimony. If those are true conversions, I I rejoice in that. I rejoice when people come to know the Lord. But we need to be really careful. You think about your own testimony. Think about the testimony of those around you. And think about those who might come to know the Lord. Even if if they have a high profile, the, the, the testimony that they have is not about them. It should be about Jesus. Some spiritual leaders will say that you need to tell your story your testimony, go back in your history and and tell people about all the bad things that you've done and how God got a hold of you and how God has changed you and how, how God brought you to himself and saved you so that people can believe in Jesus. And I would say that that's wrong. People don't need to hear your testimony to believe in Jesus. They need to hear about Jesus to believe in Jesus. There's a place for telling people about those kinds of things. You certainly have a story about what you were like before Jesus saved you and how you came to faith in Jesus and how Jesus has changed you and is changing you since then. There's a place for telling people about those kinds of things, but that ought not be the main thing in our witness. That's not the most important thing people need to hear. You need to point people to Jesus, who he is 
what he's done, what he's promised he will do, what he is doing, and what he will do for all time. Your witness is not about you. It's about Jesus. So may your witness be about the Lord Jesus Christ. And you don't even need a remarkable story to tell about your life. You may have one. You may have a remarkable story about what you were before Christ. And how incredible it is that God intervened and softened your heart, gave you faith to believe and drew him to, to, to himself. You may have a remarkable story, but you don't need one. Because you have a remarkable Savior. The Lord Jesus Christ is the one you need to be pointing people to. Just make clear who the Christ is. If you'll take time, I would suggest that if you'll take time to get to know people and make clear who Jesus is, who the Christ is, they'll see that he's changing you. They'll see he's changing you. Don't make your witness about you. Make your witness about the Christ. Pray that for us here at Chardon Baptist Church, that we'll point people to Jesus and not to ourselves. And we're standing in the midst of a construction site here this morning again, and sitting here together, and I've loved this transition, and I'm excited to see what God is doing in our midst, and we're so thankful for this piece of property the Lord has given us and this building, this facilities that He has entrusted to our care. But it's not about this place even. This place is a tool to be used for God's glory so that we can keep pointing people to the Christ. So here are the religious authorities questioning John. So you're not the Christ. Are you Elijah then? Now why would they think he might be Elijah? Well, they thought this because they knew of the prophecy of the Old Testament. Specifically, they knew of the, test, the, the Old Testament prophecy of the prophet Malachi. Malachi 3.1 says this, Behold, I send my messenger... And he will prepare the way before me. And the Lord whom you seek will suddenly come to his temple, and the messenger of the covenant in whom you delight, behold, he is coming, says the Lord of hosts. And then in Malachi chapter 4 and verse 5, we also hear this Behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the great and awesome day of the Lord comes. The Jews knew. And this is kind of remarkable when you stop and think about this. The Jews knew that the fulfillment of this prophecy was coming. They knew the Old Testament prophecy. And it's amazing that they knew the Word of God. But they didn't know the Word made flesh, the Lord Jesus Christ. But listen to Matthew 17. In verses 10 through 13, where we learn when Jesus is speaking, that Malachi's prophecy was about John the Baptist. Get this, Matthew 17, verses 10 through 13, And the disciples asked him, asked Jesus, Then why do the scribes say that first Elijah must come? He answered, Elijah does come, and he will restore all things. But I tell you that Elijah has already come, and they did not recognize him, 
but did to him whatever they pleased, so also the Son of Man will certainly suffer at their hands. Then, says verse 13, then the disciples understood that he was speaking to them of John the Baptist. You see, in the literal sense, John was not Elijah. The Jews were expecting Elijah, literally. And so John says he's not Elijah. But there is a figurative sense in which John is Elijah. Because he is the fulfillment of this prophecy. John is a messenger. So Jesus interprets the Old Testament prophecy as meaning that there would be one like Elijah. And John certainly preached with the same power and boldness as Elijah. Why? Because John was filled with the Holy Spirit. And God was moving through John to be his messenger And so, in a sense, John the Baptist was the fulfillment of Malachi's prophecy, but not in the way the Jews were expecting. So you're not Elijah, they say. Then, are you the prophet? To which John replied, no. (laughs) Are you the prophet? Why ask that? Are you the prophet? The, The question points back to the prophecy of Moses. And that goes back to Deuteronomy 18, verses 15 through 18, where he said, The Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet. Now get this, that prophecy is not about John, but it's about Jesus. We know this because in Acts, Peter applied this prophecy to Jesus. Listen to Acts 3 and verse 18 and then verses 22 and 23. Acts 3.18, but what God foretold by the mouth of all the prophets that his Christ would suffer, he thus fulfilled. And then verses 22 and 23, what did the prophets foretell that his Christ would suffer? And verse 22, Moses said, the Lord God will raise up for you a prophet like me from your brothers. You shall listen to him in whatever he tells you, and it shall be that every soul who does not listen to that prophet shall be destroyed from the people. That's about Jesus Christ. That's about the Christ. And we know this to be true, that those who reject Jesus will perish in their sins. Stephen also applied this prophecy to Jesus Christ. Listen to Stephen's testimony in Acts chapter 7 and verse 37. This is the Moses who said to the Israelites, God will raise up for you a prophet like me from your brothers. He quotes that passage. Stephen is connecting this prophecy to the Lord Jesus Christ. So when they ask John if he's the prophet, he says, no, I'm not the prophet. But these men questioning John had not made that connection. And so let me say again, because there there are people around us who may not make the connection that the God we serve is the one true God. The Lord Jesus Christ is the Christ, the Messiah, the Savior. So let me say again, this is why we need to be clear on this as God's church. The gospel, the good news, is about Jesus. We're here as messengers. 
We're here to proclaim the Christ, the Anointed One, the Messiah. We gather in something like an emergency room every Sunday where God's people come together to get patched up and encouraged and strengthened in the truth of the Scriptures so that we go back out into the world strengthened and ready to be messengers to the people around us of who Jesus is, pointing to the Christ. The Gospel is about Jesus. The good news that you have to proclaim is about the Christ. And like the Jews who questioned John the Baptist, unbelieving people are not seeing Jesus. If we don't tell them about Jesus... And they're not seeing clearly who Jesus is if we don't make it clear who Jesus is. And we don't do that necessarily by proclaiming how how wonderful God has been to save us from our decrepit and sinful lives before we came to Christ, but by pointing to the, the miracle of new birth through faith in Jesus Christ, the one true and living God. The Apostle John is writing this gospel so that we... And anyone who will listen will believe. Believe in Jesus and keep believing in Jesus. And what he has written is also helping us see that our witness to the watching world must also always be about Jesus. And so I ask you, is your witness about the Christ? Is your life being lived as a messenger for Christ? Does your life and the way that you live align with the truths of God's word? Are you being changed by the word? And so that your life and the way that you live speaks about the Savior pointing people to Jesus opening doors for you to tell people the good news, the gospel about the Christ. That's our challenge. That's the challenge I want you to have this morning from this text. Is your witness, is your life being lived for Christ to make much of him? Do you see yourself as a joyful, willing servant of Jesus to make him known? There's more for us here in these verses. And Lord willing, we'll come back to this passage next week. 